This is the Property Solopreneur Podcast, and I'm Rachel Troughton. I'll be talking about everything you need to create wealth by building your portfolio in a sustainable and profitable way. I'll be sharing the realities of a property investing business. I'll talk bricks and mortar, buy to let, HMOs, flipping and planning game, as that's what we all enjoy doing. But I'll also share how to use good systems, processes and find the right professionals to work with. In fact, everything that will enable you to become a successful property solopreneur. Welcome to this week's episode. And today I'm talking to Angie Nichols of KPA Property Management. Now, we're not going to be talking about how to run an agency or a landlord's plumbing problems. No, today it's about working in a multi-generational company. Now, that's an aspiration for many property peeps, but it is a challenge to do well because there can be conflict between the oomph of the young. You know, they've got the knowledge and skills, particularly the younger generations today who, to be quite honest, seem to have been born having read the instruction manuals to all things computer and social media. And those of us who are older, um, we've got the wealth of experience born from working and having been at the coalface and who like working in the real world rather than the virtual. Getting these two things to blend together, quite a challenge. Angie, her husband Peregrine and son bend very closely together in their lettings company and they work with landlords and investors in their area, which is Bristol. And I know that some of my listeners were very familiar with Ben and Angie because they are known to more than just local investors and landlords because they're also the hosts of Partners in Property Bristol Meet. And welcome, Angie. Thank you so much for coming and talking to me this morning. Oh, thank you, Rachel. Thank you very much for inviting me on. It's really lovely to be here. Well, it's a pleasure because, of course, we've known each other for quite some time. We were just talking about it before air. It must be all about sort of six or so years now. But then, of course, COVID got in the middle and I live on the far right side of the country and you live on the far left. So it's quite difficult sometimes to get to people, see people when they're so far apart. But one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you today was that you are, like me, one of the rare companies that work generational. You've got people above you and below you in age groups and you all work together. And that really fascinates people. And so one of the things I know you did do stuff before property. What did you do? So KPA originally, so KPA obviously is a family business. We're now on the third generation. Um, and KPA originally was a marketing company. So, um, oh, right. yeah, so we still have the marketing company. So there were businesses that aren't property related. My husband was doing um, a, a presentation a few weeks ago on business. And I didn't realize actually until he'd done his homework, there were about 11 businesses involved in the KPA group. And a few of those aren't property. But yeah, originally it was um, a marketing company set up in 1948 by my parents-in-law. So we'll be 75 years old in July. Wow, that's fantastic. Because again, I thought, what a similarity, because our family business, which actually has remained almost entirely untouched, started up in 1947. Mm. So my husband and I are third generation, and my son, who's involved, will be fourth. And we do roughly the same thing. So, But it's great fun, isn't it, having these long families? Although... It does have its drawbacks, as you know, my mother-in-law, for instance, still checks the bank account every morning. Um, she hasn't actively been in the business now for some time, but she just likes to check up on us and make sure that we're all doing what we should do. <laughs> now, but KPA 
property management started when and how did it how did it happen? So everything has got the name KPA to it. So we're quite sentimentally attached to KPA and it lends itself quite nicely because obviously P can stand for all sorts of uh, enterprises in, in property. And the management company kind of started when we were looking to outsource the management of our portfolio. Because as you know, you know, it's all great fun until it's not great fun. And then you realize that (laughs) you've realized that you've, you've kind of created a bit of a job for yourself. So we were looking to outsource and, you know, the most logical route there was let's find someone to manage. And after about the sixth or seventh meeting, Ben and I looked at each other and said, I feel like I've been patronized to with an inch of my life by, you know, oh, you just can't do that at scale. Or, you know, spoken to by people who really ought not to be in lettings, don't understand compliance and regulation. And, you know, it would just be a complete compromise. So, you know, we'll be paying for less. And we just thought that's absolutely bonkers. So we just said, do we think we need to start up a letting agency? You know, and that was... Oh, gosh, that was before COVID. So I think that must have been about 2020, 2019. Best time in the world, in the world to start up an agency, not um, just before COVID hit. And clearly, <laughs> yeah, so here we go. And clearly, there are quite a few landlords that feel the same because we now have a branch in uh, Bristol, one in Western, one in Bridgewater, and also one in Southampton. So clearly, there were quite a few landlords that felt the same. You started up in 2020 when COVID hit. And did you have landlords come to join you because they had problems as well? Yes, clearly. Yeah. And, and and what's really lovely about that as well, because the landlords have come to us because they clearly understand why we're different. They're really progressive landlords. So, you know. Um, oh, right. Yeah. So it's great. And, off, you know, we have landlords that are portfolio investors. So Ben gets involved with, you know, stacking deals with them and they'll come to us, you know, quite early on. And yeah, it's fun. It's really good fun. It was a good move. Good. You started this with Ben, who is your son, Mm -hmm. and your husband. Yes. Now that immediately sends most people running from the room screaming in terror. How do you work with your husband and your son? (laughs) So I've been... (laughs) Do do you regularly feel you need to kill them? No, no. They might feel feel that about me. I have to say they might feel, for goodness sake, mother. Um, So I've been working with my husband since about 1995, so just south of 30 years. And actually, we are as different as you could imagine, you know, really different. So I was on a legal trajectory. So I was going to have absolutely nothing to do with the family business. So um, and then then I had Ben. So basically, the, the, the partners of the law firm that I worked for had asked me whether I would like to, you know, join the practice and, you know, would I like to come and do my law degree? And I just thought, yeah, that sounds fantastic, you know, really exciting. And then I had Ben and realized that I didn't want anything so heavy, which is ridiculous yeah. because then you get involved in the family business and realize just how ridiculous that, that statement was. <laughs> um, and... <laughs> So then I joined the family business. My mother-in-law, bless her, had been asking for years. And um, I think things change when you have children. So, you know, very much at that time, you know, it wasn't my thing. That's your thing, but this is my thing. I'm going to go off and do law. And then we had Ben and things just felt very different. So I joined the family business in 1995 and my husband and I are supremely different, our chalk and cheese. You know, it's very much that yin and yang thing. You know, when they stand back to back, they can take on the world. When they look towards each other, they don't understand, don't understand a thing, you know, that kind of thing. (laughs) 
<laughs> so we decided quite early on that we wouldn't get involved in each other's departments. So I ran, he did sales and I did everything else. And and, and that worked right. really well, really well. And then jo- Ben came and joined um, the family business in 2015. He That was always going to happen. So you know, he was just always so interested in everything that was going on. When we had um, a renewables company back in tail end of, you know, 2010, Ben was always up a scaff tower. You know, Ben always had his head in a biomass boiler. You know, that that was just who he was. And and he just loved it and found it really, really interesting. So I kind of wasn't surprised when he said he wanted to join the family business, bless him. So yeah, that was in 2015. And, And the first thing we did was some wealth dynamics because we are, the three of us, so different. That yes, now that was something I, I picked up from listening to him talk on one occasion. And it's quite rare for people to admit they've done it because some people go, Oh, it's a bit woo-woo, isn't it? Woo. But it is surprisingly accurate, isn't it? It's spookily accurate. Absolutely. And and it brought about understanding. And and so oh, yes. he and my husband, yeah, so so Ben and Dad are very different. So so Ben's a star. And my husband's a oh, lord. Yes. So my husband's very, yes, really different. So my husband's very into kind of spreadsheets, granular detail. He's the brakes, you know, and, it, and it's great yep. because after doing, you know, Wealth Dynamics, we can look at him and say he's the one that keeps us safe. But, you know, in the beginning, it was always he's the brakes. Why does dad always say no? You know, yeah. Wretched, wretched man, can't we make a decision without him? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and I sit in between the two of them. So I'm a, a deal maker. So I've got, you know, very high blaze energy. So I'm, I'm, I'm the people's person. And doing the wealth dynamics really brought understanding when perhaps there was some irritation, you know, and, it, and it's made us realise that actually we need to move differently because there are things that need to be done and there are people that are better placed skill set wise in order to do that so it's probably the best thing we did actually and we did it quite early on yes uh, and, and uh, you, when you first come across it you do think this is ridiculous but i i'm a star and my husband is a lord uh-huh. um, and it does help if you know that he is going to just light up in front of a spreadsheet i mean he's a helicopter pilot you know <laughs> Knobs, whistles, you know, sounds, you know, it's all got to be precise and laid back at the same time. Whereas, you know, I'm all sort of, oh, noise and and what fun and, you know, that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, that knowing where you're coming from does help, particularly when you're a very strong threesome like you are. And that leads on to another question, which is, you know, do you find work becomes 24 seven or or do do you have a pact about no work spoken over the dinner table? That's a really interesting question. I think we talk about work far more often than we should. So because there are members of the family that aren't involved on a day-to-day basis, um, so so our two younger sons, Toby and Charlie, so Toby's like a man mountain. So he's fantastic at putting furniture together and what have you. So, you know, when you're doing a refurb, Toby is your man, definitely. Uh, brilliant. Yeah, he's, he's fantastic. Charlie's really good at design. So Charlie has a great understanding of where things should go and where they fit and how they would look differently. But they're not involved on a day-to-day basis in the business and it was funny because Ben's reaction was this is fantastic when and how can I get involved Toby and Charlie their reaction is I don't ever want to work as hard as I've seen you work I don't want any of it (laughs) (laughs) but 
but do they see the rewards? Because that is something that, you know, property just creates, isn't it? It's amazing rewards in so many ways. Because one of the things I know you are is a people person. You, you, you like to paint yourself as a lawyer, you know, so that's all words, isn't it? And, you know, <laughs> commas and preciseness. But actually, you're very much a, a people person, which I think is really, really important in a letting business. Definitely. Absolutely. And yet is something that's so overlooked. Yes. You know, one, I suspect part of what you were saying earlier about the fact you felt you'd be patronised and and you, you know, all the rest of it. It's because they don't understand people. Completely, 100%. And property is people, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, nothing, nothing that was, you know, so evident during COVID because during COVID when you had tenants that couldn't pay their rent and then you yes. had landlords understandably having a really hard time, you know, there were landlords and tenants that literally just couldn't communicate. And to be able to get in the middle and say, well, hang on a minute, let's work together on this one. Let's understand what's going on for both sides and let's work together. Um, very much so. But it's a people's business through and through, 100%. Couldn't agree more. And people forget that. And I think people yes, forget I, that at their peril. Yeah, they do. And I think particularly in times like this, when we've got cost of living crisis and mortgages have suddenly gone up because of course you probably see this even more than I do because I don't run a letting business now but there is a generation of investors who think that mortgages were at a normal net low that's normal whereas of course those of us who've done this for ages just go whoa this is a bit of a holiday from real mortgage payments isn't it (laughs) Um, and you know suddenly it, it the cash flow isn't the same you've got to do more with your money and so therefore, you've got to understand who is living in your property. I got frightfully vexed on one particular Facebook post where I saw someone going, it's outrageous. You know, I Tesco's can charge what they like for their bags of pasta. Why are people getting so cross about me trying to raise my rents? And I just thought, because pasta and people are not the same. They're not a commodity. And that's where a really good letting agent, I think, wins because even putting up rent has to be done sensitively and carefully, doesn't it? 100%. Absolutely. And I think that landlords and tenants can become very polarised and understanding. You know, at the end of the day, you can have the most wonderful property. If you don't have any tenants, you have no rent. <laughs> yes. You know. And, and also some some letting agents, they don't understand, because you, you do, because you're property owners, that actually lower rent sometimes at a long, which goes on for years and years and years with no voids and no refurbs and all the rest of it, is actually better than having a constant churn of tenants who are always paying top dollar market rents, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. A tenant who is going to be a long tenant, look after your property, you know, pay their rent on time so you've got no voids, treat it as their home is not is absolute gold dust. And yes, you want to look after them. I mean, yes, obviously you're going to want market rent and you're going to want to put your rent up but exactly as you say it needs to be done sensitively and it needs to be done in collaboration most of our landlords get that we're really lucky they're progressive portfolio landlords and they get that yes because I mean I I was quite shocked I have a variety of agents across the country because I got three portfolios and uh one just sent me an email going you know it's that time of year again would you like us to put your rents up so of course I went well yeah they rise every year but not but not by much but the next email I got the next day went we have sent your tenants the following rises. Now, one of them was, because I have these particular two, which are examples. One is disabled and one is an old age pensioner who must be in her late 70s. So, you know, probably got another 15 years of her as being a tenant. I've only had 10. Um, They were going to put them up by £100 a month. Now, that was to bring them up to market rent. And I went, no, I, I, they're going to leave. And to me, I would rather, so we, we said, yes, they've got to have an increase, but we put in a very small one just to keep them remembering that 
rent increases is something we do. But but actually, my market rents, that's when I put them up for the ones that do go void or a new one that I bring on stream. You don't have to have everything working full time. And that's partly, I suspect, because someone in the letting agent, and it was a national chain, I'll have you know, had not a family run business, had gone, hey, we need to make some more revenue now. How can we do this? Let's increase this, that and the other. And no one's been moving out recently and all that kind of stuff. So you can understand where everyone's coming from. But, it's a um, process for them as well. They have it on the CRM. It just goes off every year without any yeah. consultation. A lot of them, off it goes. And of course, this is where a family-run business is so interesting because you have got to work towards a common goal. And none of you are probably thinking, well, I'll just be here another nine months and then I'll look for a new job. <laughs> so it's, you know... <laughs> <laughs> it, it, you know, that I've got to, I've got to, I've got to excel here. I've got to do really well because it is building something long term. Because eventually, of course, you and your husband will want to retire, mm. and then you will then be handing over to Ben and some, you know, presumably Mrs. Ben at some point. Mm. You know, and that that's quite interesting. How do you see yourselves? changing and moving into that sort of era or are you not giving it a thought that is such an interesting question so and you know as you'd imagine my hubby and I kind of reached that one with an opposite thought um he would love to retire he's really looking forward to retirement he's got lots of hobbies he's a keen uh, historian he's really really looking forward to retirement can't come soon enough for me it's a bit of a dirty word I and I know (laughs) I know this is wrong. I completely understand this is wrong and ridiculous and perhaps a tad immature, but I look as retire almost as a synonym for irrelevant. And I think, oh, I know it's awful, isn't it? And I know it's wrong. And I think that's because I watched my parents retire. I might, you know, my dad had quite a, a, a big job in, in British auction company and he took early retirement and literally aged overnight. And I think you know, that's that's part of my journey and that's part of what I've seen. And I, I rather say, rather than retire, I'd rather say take my foot off the gas slightly. I'd like to see more time. But the word retire is still difficult for me currently. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because when I was thinking about how I was going to ask you these questions, it suddenly struck me that, you know, those of us who've got children in the businesses, it is like watching them ride without stabilizers, isn't it? Because suddenly you've not got your hand on the tiller all the time. But of course, businesses have to develop and grow. Yes. And so it will be fascinating for you to see him do that. I mean, when we did the roof at our wedding barn, Harry, who is the fourth generation was actually right he wrote on all the panels so when they take the roof off in his great-grandson's time there will be his signature and it was his Mm. great-grandfather who put the roof on for its last repair so it's a really Mm. nice sort of way of seeing forward but are you planning on growing or do you like what you're doing so I really, really like what I'm doing. So so we do different, I mean, as you'd imagine, you know, you and Ben are exactly the same profile. So I'm sure you there's a great understanding there. You know, we do different things and we do different things all the time. And, you know, just recently we've been getting involved in other businesses and, you know, we bought a few and we've, um, you know, taken shares in a few. And some of those are within the property value chain, some aren't. Um, I think, so we're on our third generation now. And I think a generational business, there's always that, responsibility you know it feels like a heavy burden on your shoulders that you know you are dealing with the life's work 
of those that have come before you. So the a general generational business, there's this responsibility and there's a need to evolve because I firmly believe that if you don't evolve in business, you die. So, you know, generationally, that's what needs to happen. But it's also, KPA is also a legacy business. You know, as you quite rightly just said, Ben's going to take that on. And hopefully, you know, there'll be, yeah. you know, several generations of Nichols, you know, down Ben's line that will carry that. So also a legacy business needs to sustain. So there are these different kind of different responsibility sets. But how do I see that? I'm really enjoying it. I mean, Ben is like rocket fuel. He is, you know, you've met him. He's he's absolutely so, he's got so much about and that, yes. he's he's got that oomph of youth, hasn't he? He really has. And you know, I absolutely love working with him. You know, no buts. And I spend most of my time trying to keep up with him and failing miserably. You know, he's firmly got his foot up my backside. I will just insert here. If anyone doubts that, do go onto Facebook and find the video you put there about your bloopers you made when you were doing <laughs> some training videos. I haven't laughed so much in ages. <laughs> and it was, you know, and the, the the sort of in the sort of the relationship you have together was so visible. It, oh, it just made nice. me laugh so much. <laughs> oh, that's really nice to hear. I think yes. I've been so lucky to see a side of him that most parents don't see. And obviously you will see this as well, having your son in the business, that, you know, yes. at some point, you know, your children go off and do things. And I've been really fortunate that, you know, Ben has gone off and done things within the within the confines of our family business. So I've seen that progression. I've seen him grow as a person and as a business person. And, and I think that's lucky. I feel very privileged to have seen that. And also with that, quite useful having a young person since the whole letting and property business has fundamentally changed in the last sort of 10 years, hasn't it? Absolutely. Oh my goodness, there's so much compliance. I mean, and we're, we're, we manage HMOs, so you can imagine it's just all compliance, compliance, compliance everywhere. Yes. And, and that again is down to values. So many letting agencies, compliance, well, we pay lip service. Uh, whereas you yeah. with your legal background, you've mm -hmm. you finger on the pulse there, haven't you? Yeah. Absolutely. And also the fact that uh, government are making life so difficult for so many landlords, which with you, with your, I think this is what's so good about your company and several others is that you're able to talk to them and go, look, if you want a long-term rental business, you're going to have to go with the flow. You're going to have to understand where government are coming from. And yes, it's an absolute pain, some of these changes, but you can't fight them. Yeah, absolutely. And sitting side, it, it's that ability to stand side by side, really shoulder to shoulder. It never ceases to amaze me with lettings. You know, you only have to walk into, you know, a high street branch and it's usually the most inexperienced and the youngest person that they've put in charge of lettings. And, you know, viewings, you know, the average age yeah. of the person does viewings and viewings underpins everything. You know, that tenant selection is absolutely crucial. You know, it's part art, it's part science, and you do not get that one wrong. And it, that just never ceases to amaze me. I mean, our strap line is lettings without compromise. And I think that just says it all. So I know it's lofty, but every time I look at it, I think, okay, yes, that's what we're doing. You know, it's... Yes, because you've got to get the right tenant in, haven't you? Absolutely. Oh, because it, that landlord depends on that rent, that rent and also the fact the person will look after your their property so it it is absolutely vital but also you don't just do that i mean you know you branched out and you're hosts of um partners in property in bristol aren't you yes partners in property is wonderful you can probably tell by the big smile on my face how much we enjoy partners in property <laughs> Absolutely. And and so many people enjoy coming to it. So what made you decide to go and do this? Because it's a very visible step when you go and, and front a net 
property networking meeting. Yes. So I'd known Sue personally before Partners in Property. So Sue and my hubby at one time in the dim distant future had had the same business coach. So I'd known her. Um, and so the, the Southwest offering, so we've got four different branches. We've got one in London, one in Birmingham, one in Manchester, and one in Bristol. And the Southwest offering was in Bridgewater. So when they decided to move from Bridgewater to Bristol, Sue Sims and Adam Lawrence, who are the two founders, contacted Ben and I and said, if we move to Bristol, would you come and host? And we'd been members of Bridgewater for a while and just instantly, I mean, as a people person, the, the first minute I walked into the room, I just knew, I okay, I know exactly what you guys are, are aiming for here. You know, it's so different from anything else. Um, and we said, we'd absolutely love to. And I think that was about five years ago now, six years ago now. And then this year, they asked us to be partners. So Ben and I are now partners of uh, Partners in Property, which is wonderful, being able to kind of, you know, get below the hood, open the bonnet and see what's going on and and sort of, you know, push towards some, uh, you know, bigger and better. And it's just wonderful. It's a community. That's the difference. Because I was going to say, it, it's this is the great thing about the networking meetings out there is that, you, you know, you've got your pins, you've got your PPNs, you've got your independents, all slightly different. They all run on their own sort of ways. And then there's Partners in Property, which has its own system again, because you've got speakers and round tables. Tell me how that works. So the difference, so they're non, non-circuit speakers. So they are not the same guys that you would see at PIN and PPN and what have you. And they're only at the front of the room to educate and inspire. So there's absolutely no agenda, no pitch, no nope. selling. I mean, they literally would be rugby tackled off the floor if that ever happened. <laughs> So no, that doesn't happen. And they're, they're some absolutely great guys. And then we have roundtable sessions. Uh, we have three sessions after all of the, uh, the you know, the, the presenters. And the idea of that is it's very much, you know, that collective responsibility. So if you went to see, um, you know, a tax guy or you went to see a lawyer and he was at his desk, he would be very careful about what he told you and what he said to you. Well, actually, yep. we're taking them away from their desk round a round table and you know they can have some very candid conversations and we always say to our members don't leave any question unasked and any or any table host under grilled just you know come with your list of questions <laughs> ask them what you want to make sure that you get those answers before you go and you know absolutely fantastic and they are just an a, when they're just a great bunch of guys i mean you know you talk to them and when you really you get below the surface, you can't quite believe some of the things they're doing. They're humble. I always describe them as the real property cognoscenti. You know, it's the hosts of your pins and your PPNs. That's where they come to learn. You know, that's their I was going to say, I think, I think everyone forgets that actually everybody has got to keep current and keep going to networking meetings. It's not just about sitting in a room and listening to someone talk. It's all that bits on the side, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And being part of that. So so Ben and I, as I said, we were members before we were hosts. Being part of that community has done wonders for our property business. It's that full immersion, you know, yep. and sort of talking to people and what are you doing and how did you manage that and what, you know, what would you do differently, et cetera, et cetera, has done wonders for our property business. Because also I think you forget that when you first come into property, you are in sponge mode. You know, everything's new. You're learning everything as fast as you can. And then you start definitely niching and you you form this portfolio or that and you do some developments or whatever it is that takes your fancy. And then, of course, you think, oh, that's quite fun. I might go and do that. 
it's a huge mistake just to think because you knew about it seven years ago that you can do it now. And that's where people who are humble enough to come go back into the room and go, I'm going to go and learn this, that and the other now because I want to do it properly. It works, doesn't it? It means they can really jump ahead and be successful. Yeah. And some of the big guys who we've got in the room have said, oh, my goodness, I didn't realise I was operating in a vacuum. And I just yeah. think, yes, fantastic. I find it quite difficult to describe because it is so different, but um, it's it's the secret sauce. But absolutely. But also the, the fact is you've got to go somewhere because the vacuum is a real problem. It's like loneliness for property people. It is a problem. And if you want to grow at scale, you've got to find money and you can't do that on your own. You've got to go into the room and people have got to believe you for what you're doing. And then you've got to understand where they're coming from so that you have a happy financial marriage, so to speak. And that's about going regularly to things, isn't it? Because I know your viewers, your your attendees, whatever you call them, they come regularly. It's in they the do. diary. They come regularly. It's a membership model. It's very much a case of that, you know, no like and trust. We've got people in the room who do business together. Part of the membership means you can go to the others too. So we've got people that, you know, go to London and come to Bristol. And it's that expanding the network, you know, really getting to know someone properly not that just you know I've seen you on Facebook I've had a coffee with you that really getting to understand and know and that kind of supportive environment it's a great place yes and I think people are people are often very surprised when you know they discover after the event because that's how it usually tends to happen that x has lent y money and they go well I didn't know about it and you go well you weren't involved Uh, and I certainly found when I was, you know, co- co-hosting Bucks that I used to regularly get asked, you know, I've got some money. Who, who do you think I should go and watch? Do you get asked questions like that? Yeah, absolutely. And my answer is always probably exactly the same as yours. No, don't go and watch. Go and get to know. Yes. Go and speak to. Go and suss out. Because as a property investor, you're one of two things, aren't you? You're either looking for money or you've got money. Because the worst, yes. <laughs> you know, so you're lending or you're, you know, it's, it's, it's always one or the other, isn't it? You just don't want yeah. that stuff to sit still, do you? No, I'm very lucky because I'm, I'm my biggest lender to myself in another guise. So um, I have long conversations with myself as to where I'm going to put my money next <laughs> and how much interest rate I could pay myself. Um, and, and you know, you know don't, don't knock it. It's, it's a really nice conversation to have expert and, um, opinion and, <laughs> yes oh absolutely and you know and then of course it comes the day when I have to ask the you know, the accountant to pay myself and oh, what a joy um that again <laughs> is lovely but um we're coming to the end here and one of the things that I I know that other people want to emulate is you know you've created something very special the three of you you've proved that you can have multi-generations working together you know what sort of tips could you give people who want to do that because some people worry about working with their children or their husbands. Thank you. That's really nice of you to say so. Do you know, I think the biggest tip I would give would be to lose the ego. I think oh, egos right. yeah. can be hugely destructive. And one thing that we have, so it's quite funny because Ben and I are extremely different. And I say Ben and I because Ben and I work, so we work, I would say, 90% of our time in the property business. My hobby only really spends about 50% of his time in the property business and 50% elsewhere. So Ben and I work together all the time. People think we're the same person and that never ceases to make me chuckle because we couldn't be more different in every respect. And they will have half a conversation with me, the other half with him. And 
and vice versa and just expect that that's been with the same person. And it's that sense of, you know, what's the saying? It's amazing what can be achieved when no one cares who gets the credit. And I think you park your ego and masses of respect. You have to have respect. You know, right from the onset, you know, Ben's first days and weeks, it wasn't a case of, I'm going to tell you. It's a case of we'll work together because you're going to be doing this. You're going to be, you know... He's, he's going to live a lot longer than me. Let's face it. You know, I, I might not like yes. I might not like the, the the word retire, but I'm not going to be around at some point. So you know, he always this this needs to be him. So we work side by side, and we have always worked side by side from day one. So I think respect. If you ha- if you don't have respect and you're not prepared to compromise, it's going to be a non-starter from day one. You know, vive la difference, and also yes. park your ego. Parking your ego, I think, would be my biggest tip. Absolutely. And, and you know, my children will call me mummy at home, but they did actually, even when they were young, end up, because I used to work for the Army Welfare Service at one point, and they'd be on out and about with me and they'd call me by my Christian name. We had two different, and, and they never got it wrong. And that I think some people find quite different. So are you mummy at home and Angie at work? Different heads, different approach, different roles. I still have the mummy stare though. I can still, oh, do I can, yeah, <laughs> I can still crack out the the look if I'm displeased from time to time. But yeah, Ben Ben will call me Angie, and it's funny because our youngest doesn't like that. Our youngest was saying he doesn't like you know me to be called Angie, but we did that quite deliberately because it's very easy to minimise, and that goes both ways. So yeah. you know, Ben was younger when he first joined the business, so that's quite easy to minimise. You know, Mum is very easy to minimise. It's like, okay, let's take Christian names and let's put it on a business footing. And we did that from day one. But yeah, it does take some getting used to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that that I think those are very sound principles to work by. Now, there is one other question that I've been burning to ask all the time because I've heard the tippy toes of a dog <laughs> through my earphones. So I assume you've got a dog in the room. I know she appears in videos. What is she and who is she? Oh, bless her. She's a 12-year-old English bull terrier called Maisie. And she's the real boss, really. <laughs> She runs the business, really. Well, you see, again, so many of us actually have our dogs at work, and that is one of the joys of being self-employed as well, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. There are a lot of joys. And over the years, the flexibility that it has brought for Peregrine and I has been absolutely precious. So thank you very much, Angie, for coming on today. Do give Ben my best regards, and I will be over to the West Country at some point to come and join in, because I'd love to come to a meeting just to see what it's all about, because I get told so often how what fun it is. Oh, bless her. Lovely to see. You. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. You are very, very easy to talk to. <laughs> that is one of my skills talking. I've been doing it a very long time. <laughs> Thanks very much. Thank you for listening to the Property Solopreneur podcast with Rachel Troughton. If you want to create a professional and profitable property business, download my property business checklist now at racheltroughton.com slash checklist.